Hello, Westover. Y'all look so good tonight. Will you look at someone next to you and say, you look especially great tonight. You look great tonight. We are so glad that you decided to come and show up here. That's right. Some of you are like, dang, I think I'm going to have a date now. Like, I just, like, connected on that level. I'm Pastor Tito. I'm the high school and young adults pastor here at Westover. And we are just thrilled that you are here joining us. We are at the very last message of a series called Surge. And all month long, we define Surge as a sudden, powerful forward or upward movement. And our heart is that you would experience that with God. Our heart is that you would experience his power in such a way that it would catapult you forward in your walk with him. So let's get started. So my wife, Melissa, and I, we have two kiddos. Our eldest, her name is Ava. She's two and a half years old. Our youngest, her name's Allie Lennon. Yes, after John Lennon, just in case you are curious, right? Any Beatle fans in the house, right? And so we've got two kiddos, Ava and Allie, and they are a blast to be around, usually, um, except when they don't have their naps or when they don't eat, you know, or they don't get whatever they want, and that's just kind of the way it is. Come on, somebody. But usually... Usually they are both just super, super fun and they're entertaining for days. And just the other day, we were about to leave the house and my wife, Melissa, asked Ava, our eldest, hey, Ava, are you going to teach Allie how to walk while we're gone? And so Allie's right at that stage. We think she's like, like she already had a couple steps, but by this point she hadn't walked at all yet. And Ava instantly turns to Allie and inquires, well, Allie? Are you going to walk like a normal person? (laughs) These kids. And can you imagine if we could just bottle up all this energy and sell it and like divide the shares among all of us? Like we would be rich, rich people. We'd be millionaires. Yes, please. (laughs) Right? Now, while kids seem to have the market cornered on energy, if we're honest, it's easy for us to get to a place where we're exhausted. Physically We're waking up a little too early. We're going to bed a little too late. Mentally, we're taxed, focusing on all the problem solving we have to do at work or all the problem solving we have to do at home. And we're pulled in a million directions between school and volunteering and our full-time jobs. And some of you, your side hustle right there on the side, our relationships. Emotionally, we're spent giving, giving, giving advice, heart and time to our friends And whatever they're going through or to our families, you know how it is. Mom isn't getting along with dad and suddenly you become the sounding board to our kids or or to our little siblings trying to learn how to maneuver the challenges of life. And if that's not enough, many of us don't ever really truly rest on a regular basis. And we'll justify our frantic lives by saying things like, I'll sleep when I die, right? Some of you have said that one before, or no rest for the weary, or idle hands are the devil's playground. So I think that's, I've always thought that was a little creepy, just for the record, okay? All right, my hands are not the devil's playground, all right? That's not how that works. Um, But it's when we're this tired, it's when we're this exhausted that we tend to fight some of our most fierce mind games. 
It tends to be in these moments that we question whether we have the capacity and the ability to keep going. And we ask ourselves, do I really have all it takes to keep juggling all these balls in the air? Am I smart enough? Am I organized enough to keep all of this straight? I'm not sure I can really handle all this much longer. And if you've ever felt this way, let me promise you, you are not crazy. Can we just for a moment, if you would just tap someone on the shoulder and just reassuringly look them in the eye and say, you are not crazy, okay? Now, unless you've always suspected like a, a little, little bit of crazy, then don't lie, all right? You know, masos menos, you know, we don't want you to lie in church. But if you've ever felt that way, you are not crazy. You are, you are this other word, this other term. You're human. And you're in good company because the truth is the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting to your left, and the person sitting to your right can understand what you're going through. And for those of you who are online, all the glamorous people that you follow on Instagram, that you may have opened in another browser window right now, all of your interesting friends and frenemies from high school and work on Facebook that you're trying to ignore their farm bill requests and their clash of clans requests that drive you nuts, all the witty one-linerers on Twitter, all of them are in the same boat. It's just some are better at concealing their crazy. And some of you are like, yep, I'm one of those. <laughs> you just peel back the onion, Shrek. You're going to be in for a surprise, right? But let me tell you, friends, Second Corinthians 10.3. I love, love these words. This is from Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century. And he's writing to a group of Christians that have been busy, who've been taxed, who've been all over the place. And here's what he tells them. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I love the way the New Living Translation says it. It says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. And friends, with the million things that we have in common with everybody else on the planet, this is the one thing, the one thing that gives us an edge. The one thing that gives us an advantage, an upper hand. It isn't even a thing at all. It's a person. 1 John 4, 4. Children, you belong to God and you've defeated these enemies. God's spirit is in you. And it's more powerful than the one who is in the world. Because you've had a making new moment in your life. Because you met Jesus, the old has passed away, the new has come. Even if you're still not perfect. Because you've had an encounter where your sinfulness collided with his holiness. Because you've been brought from death to life. It's for that reason whether you feel like it or not. You've been adopted as a child of God. And now, here's the good news. Now you get to call the creator of the solar system, the inventor of the atom, the designer of the dinosaur, right? Jurassic World, anybody coming up? The shaper of the stars, the most intimate of all names. You get to call him father. And because he's your father, and because you are choosing to remain in him. John 15, 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And it's for this reason you have an advantage that that rich blogger girl with all the expensive clothes and the perfect house on Instagram may not have. You have an advantage that that clever actress or rock star you envy so much may not have that you have an advantage, an upper hand, that, that your high school's valedictorian may not even possess, and that's a relationship with God. This is huge. This is why we make such a big deal about making new around here. In fact, speaking of making new, we had around 480 teenagers at our Collide conference this past weekend. Can we give it up for the Lord? And of those 480 students, 51 of them gave their lives to Jesus for the very first time. Parents, grandparents, that was your prayers. That was your prayers that tilled the ground. Some of you who decided to give so generously and sponsor a teenager, that was your giving that got them there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. And of those students, we had 197 of them give their lives back to Jesus over the weekend. Come on, can we give it up for the Lord? Making new is such a big deal. Because being a Christian isn't about adopting a helpful religious system. It's about having a lifelong and intimate friendship with God Almighty. And from there, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10.4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And I don't know about you, but I need this kind of truth in my life. Because if I'm being honest, I have a propensity to get so discouraged. I have a tendency to feel so overwhelmed. And most of the strongholds I fight are in the arena of my human reasoning. Most of the battles I go through have something to do with my emotions, the verbal arrows, the linguistic bullets ricocheting in my head. And if you're like me, you can still remember every single hurtful reason why an ex-girlfriend or an ex-husband said they could no longer be with you. And in your weakest moments, those words play on repeat. If you're like me, you can still hear the taunts of your enemies and aggressors at different key formative years in your life telling you things like, you're stupid, you can't do it, you'll never make it. You can hear the words of your former boss telling you over and over again why he's letting you go. And while these games, these mind games make us human friends, we don't have to walk naturally, to quote Ava, like a normal person to get through them. Instead, we walk and we fight supernaturally. We fight God's way because praise frees us from inadequacy. Oh, man, that's good stuff. It's when we take our eyes off of our lack and onto his lush, undeserved provision. It's when we take our focus off of our own discord and retune our heartstrings to be in the key with, of our creator that we're able to relearn our identity in him. That we are called, that we are chosen, that we are children of God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. I love this quote from a pastor in New York. He's in one of the most unchurched regions of America. 
And here are his words. He said, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle, but I know my punishment fell on Jesus. And that while he may allow this for my training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my trial. Friends, that deserves a Selah moment. Can we just just pause for a second and let that sink in? When circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle, but I know my punishment fell on Jesus. And that while he may allow this for my training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my trial. In other words, you can praise in the middle of your situation because of what Jesus has done, and because of God's fatherly love for you. And here's what you already know. Nobody enjoys the fight. Nobody likes the battle. And to be honest, it'd be kind of weird if you did. However, this is where our growth happens. I love this quote from Helen Keller. You're probably familiar. She's the girl who was born deaf and blind and had to overcome incredible obstacles just to communicate with her family around her. Since then, she's become a beacon of hope and inspiration for people with special needs all around the world. And she said this, character cannot be developed in ease and in quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. In other words, there are things that God allows us to go through, not because he hates us, but because he is more concerned with our character than our comfort. He's more concerned with the kind of person that you are becoming, the way you're treating the people around you, the way you're treating your children, the way you're treating your boyfriend or your girlfriend, the way you're treating your parents, the way you're treating the person in the drive through line at Burger King when she promised you'd have it your way and you did not have it your way. God is intensely serious about developing our character even more than making you comfortable. And our prayers in these times, as hard as it is, should be like this. Psalm 86, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. In other words, make me more like you. Help me learn from this what you would have me learn. And it's when we pray like this that we learn to trust him more. We learn to trust in his character, his kindness, his love, and his strength more. And we learn to trust in ourselves, our power, our abilities less. Because praise always calls us away from self-dependency. Self-dependency is me-focused. It's being self-made. It's independence. Christianity, however, is a movement founded on interdependence. We rely completely, increasingly, daily on our source, the head of the body, Jesus Christ, apart from whom we can bear no fruit. And we depend continuously on each other, on the members of our body. But when we always, always, always default to saying things like, oh, that's none of my business, or you do you, boo, Or it's not my place, I shouldn't say anything. Listen, there's just something not quite Christ-like in that. Now, if you're nosy and you're a gossip, then yeah, you do need to mind your own business. Okay? 
You can say, Pastor Tito said so. (laughs) But for most of us, the problem is not that we're too involved with those around us, but that we're not connected at all. Friends, this is why life groups is such a big deal. Friends, this isn't isn't just kind of some event. This isn't some campaign. This is life change. Life happens in circles and not rows. When you surround yourself with the people who care about you beyond just, hey, brother, how's the weather outside? It's good. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of hot outside. It's San Antonio. Oh, yeah. My gum's melting in my pocket. When you get into a group and surround yourself with people who care about you, friends, it makes a humongous difference. Because Jesus called us to dependence. Listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon, a Christian author and theologian, a legend in Christian circles. He said, fiery trials make golden Christians. What is it about trials? What is it about struggles that refine us? Newton's first law of motion states that a body at rest will remain at rest unless an outside force acts on it. And a body in motion at a constant velocity will remain in motion in a straight line unless acted upon by an outside force. Listen, this is true of your spiritual development. We may remain stagnant unless an outside force infringes upon our comfort. And in reverse, we will keep doing what we've always done, right or wrong, until an outside force stops us in our tracks and makes us rethink what we call natural, normal, and comfortable. This is why a husband may continue to disrespect and dishonor and not appreciate his wife and not think much of it until she packs her bags and takes the kids and moves in with her mom for a couple months. This is why young adults, when you're dating that guy and he says he loves you, but he won't stop disrespecting your boundaries. And you find that each night when you spend time together, you leave ashamed and in regret that you went as far as you did. In those moments, we must learn to put the brakes on the relationship, to hit the eject button, maybe even slash his tires metaphorically. (laughs) Metaphorically, not literally. Some of you are like, oh, too late, Pastor Tito. But the lesson learned isn't always intuitive in the trial, if we're honest. It isn't immediately obvious in the middle of the struggle. Your mom can see it. Your best friends may see it. But we tend to be so blind to it. Because the lesson learned must come from the Holy Spirit making some sense in your heart of what's going on in your life. Quantity of praise flows from quality of our heart. Let me say that again. Quantity of praise flows from quality of our heart. You see, it's the reshaping and reworking of our heart that makes the difference. It's us learning to be still and listen for God in those hard moments that we finally take away from the situation that which God would have us take away. He begins to shape us on the inside. Fam, do you mind if I call you fam? Is that okay? Like, we're pretty close, right? Okay, fam. It's short for family. For those of you who are like, I'm not Asian. My last name's not Pham. <laughs> if you are, we love you. Thank you for your contributions. 
But do you want to know God's will for you? I know, you're like, wait, what? He can do that? (laughs) He knows, I thought he was just a youth pastor. Like, he knows that? Listen, listen, let me share with you God's will for you. Are you ready for this? Is, is that okay that we, that we share with you? Here it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. You're going to want to underline this. You're going to want to highlight it. You're going to want to circle it. For those of you who are pro-tattoo, you want to get a tattoo, right? Get this. For those of you who are anti-tattoo, I didn't just say anything, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It says, God's will for you to be holy. God's will is for you to be holy. You heard it, folks. In the words of Tag Team in their 1993 hit single, Whoop, that is. And all the teenagers are like, he's such a dork. I can't believe I have to deal with this every week. God's will for you isn't just about the school you go to. It isn't just about the person you marry and the city you live in or the job you take. It's mostly about the kind of person that you become. And hear this, holiness isn't primarily outward action or inaction. Holiness is a state of the heart. It's a refinement that takes place in your heart and in your mind. Now let me share with you some of what I call Tito talk. Some of what I call uh, Tito economics. Alright? This is, in other words, this is based off my experience, based off what I've seen, and the following stats I'm going to share with you, I made up myself. Okay? You know, most stats are made up anyway, right? Here we go. 20, I I really believe this, I really believe this, that about 25% of your holiness comes from abstaining, avoiding impurity, avoiding wrong thought patterns, avoiding tacky jokes, songs that push your imagination where it shouldn't go, movies that stir up desires in you that the Holy Spirit's trying to squash. I would say probably holiness in our lives is about 25% abstinence, refraining. But I believe about 75% of holiness comes from proximity. 75% of holiness is about being familiar with God's presence. It's about spending time with Him. It's about singing His praises and delighting in His Word. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It doesn't say, I made sure not to watch Netflix so I would not sin against you. There's a difference there. It's not just about what you don't do. It's about the time you spend with our Father. Allowing Him to work on you on the inside. Allowing you to shape you on the inside. Listen, this isn't, this whole thing is not about being a good person. Man, some of you need to hear that. This whole thing is not about you being good. It's about you knowing Jesus. It's about you knowing Jesus. And one of the best ways to get to know Jesus is to learn his word. And one of the best ways to learn his word is to sing it. Because you know the way those song lyrics get stuck in your head, right? Some of you still like, it's been like 10 years and you're like, West Philadelphia, y'all, born and raised on the playground. Right? I mean, you got it, right? It's just stuck in your head. I can't feel my face when I'm with, you know, the whole thing. 
She was just 17. We can go on over and over and over again, but it's drilled in your head. And that's why one of the best ways to memorize scripture is to karaoke it up. Like James Corden carpool karaoke with Paul McCartney, the legendary songwriter and Sir Paul McCartney. But do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. Friends, if we will fill our hearts and our minds with songs of praise when we don't need it. Listen. If we will fill our hearts and our minds with songs of praise, with God's word, when we don't need it, something happens on the inside when we get discouraged, when we're down, when we do need it. There's a reservoir that begins to spill out, and we begin to hear him more clearly. He's on our minds, and he's on our lips more readily, and that practice, that discipline has the ability to create a surge in your spiritual walk. And that leads us to our last point. A new song comes from a new experience. A new song comes from a new experience. If you would listen to these words from our 2018 Women's Conference speaker. She'll be here in September. Anybody excited about the Women's Conference? A speaker named Lisa Turkers. Check this out. I can reenact it if you want. <laughs> well, in a nutshell, here's what she said. She said, there are times when in our lives we are ground to dust. And, and we, we so love to slap a Christian saying on it. Hey, it's okay. You know, if, if God glues the pieces back together, his light can shine through. And it sounds so good and it sounds so nice. But here's what we know about when you're ground to dust. You can't put those pieces back together. And some of you in this place have been. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. But, but here's, here's what she said. And I thought she just said it so beautifully. She said, but yet it was our Heavenly Father who made us out of dust. It was our Heavenly Father who when he saw the blind man that he knelt down on the ground and he spit on the ground and he, he got just a little puddle of dust and he rubbed it on his eyes and he was able to see again. Friends, when you are ground to dust, it's him who breathes life into you. A new song comes from a new experience. When you are broken in a million pieces, he's the one who makes something good out of your ruins. A new song comes from a new experience. When you've held his hands and you've finally scraped and climbed your way out of that valley, a new song comes from a new experience. When you've learned to finally rest in him, even in the middle of your fiercest hurricane, a new song comes from a new experience. And as a result, you can boldly sing, it is well with my soul. Amen, amen. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes all around this room. As our prayer team steps forward and lines up this altar area. We want to give you an opportunity. If you're here... 
or you're watching and you can relate. You understand exactly what this feels like because you're living in it. The pain, it's all so real. The valley, the being ground to dust, but you are asking God for a surge, a sudden, powerful, and forward, upward movement. Then here in a moment, we're gonna invite you to pray that God would do just that. And if you're here in this room and you're just exhausted, you've been pulled in a million directions and you want to pray that God would just breathe fresh life into your tired bones, then we're going to pray together as a family, as a body because we really are better together. Or maybe you're one of those that you've been playing these mind games, rewinding and replaying the negative things people have said about you over and over and over again. And at night you stay awake and you don't mean to, but your self-talk keeps you awake. But you're ready for a surge. You felt inadequate. You felt not good enough. But you're ready for praise to free you of inadequacy. You are ready to be called away from self-dependency and to sing a new song. If you would remember the words of Ava, you don't have to walk like a normal person. Because here's what God's word has said. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. If we could all around this room, if that's you, if you would just stand with us all around this place. And we're going to invite you to move forward from your seat. And to join us here and let one of your brothers and sisters wrap their arms around you. Let them love on you for a moment. Let them them go after the throne together with you. And if we could as a family, if we would all stand in support for the next few moments. And if you would just begin to stretch a hand forward. Pray for all those that are going to fill these altars. Pray for your brothers and sisters. that That... in their weakest moments, think, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I can't juggle all this stuff. We invite you to come. And we're just going to take some time. And we're going to let God do his thing here. If you'll join us.